You're entering the Side Mission Podcast. Three friends that love gaming and love experiencing original content and old school classics give their thoughts on the latest releases and newest topics in the gaming industry. Power up and let's get started. Welcome in everyone to the newest episode of Side Mission. Like always, I'm your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle Lynch, Matt Beck. I know we kind of took a week off last week. We were all busy, me at the state tournament, boys with both of their jobs, but we're back. And we've got a little bit of an update episode for y'all. We don't really have many games out right now that are just, you know, we're dying to play. We don't really have a ton of new content that's just, you know, filling our consoles or, in Kyle's case, his PC right now. So we decided we'd just give you guys an update episode on what we've been playing as of late, what we're looking forward to that's coming out relatively soon as the next couple of months. We've got some pretty heavy-hitting games coming out. Uh, I know for myself, I've been playing a lot of Bravely Default 2 lately, and I've, I've raved about it online. I've said that... 100 percent it's as of now my favorite switch exclusive of the last couple of years it definitely beats the crap out of animal crossing new horizon and i say that as someone who really enjoyed that game uh i i I can't think of another switch original switch game that's come out that has has me feeling like bravely default 2 has and that's on every level i'm not somebody that's into turn-based combat i'm not but the fresh take on turn-based combat in this sense where you're able to store energy, store moves, and kind of think more strategically. You can defend and save your energy up to attack multiple times a few turns from then. I like that. I like that it's different. And I think that the number one thing I could rave about in this game that if you're a fan of game design, if you're a fan of the little things, the music, uh, the voice acting, the character design, the design of the entire world, the look of everything and the atmosphere of everything... This is a game you need to check out. At the very least, you need to watch somebody play it or play it yourself because I think this nails every one of those categories. The music is relaxing, it's soothing, and then when you get into battles, it's intense, and it makes you feel like you're in a battle for your life. So I I, I love that. Again, Bravely Default 2, not a game that I really had pegged as one that I was going to be checking out uh, this year, but took a chance on it, and I've really been enjoying it. And as of now, it, I feel like it, it won't be in the game of the year conversation by the end of the year, but I feel like it should be. So that's that's my take on that. Kyle, we'll start with you, man. What are some games you've been playing as of late? Lately, I've actually been playing this game uh, called Boneworks VR. Um, it's recent. I believe it came out late last year. Um, I'm just now getting my hands on it, though. It's a heavy physics based uh puzzle game but it also has uh, a little bit of combat like there's you know there's guns in it you got melee weapons you can use uh uh but the the main draw to it is the physics based uh puzzles i'm a big big puzzle game guy i love games like legend of zelda for example it was my biggest draw is aside from the interesting combat it was the amount of you know puzzles it makes you go through the amount of challenges that it puts you up against and that real satisfying feeling when you've you know spent hours on a level just trying to figure out you know how does that this mechanism work or how how do I get this to you know be placed where I need it to be I love I I just I love that feeling of you know the progression through uh puzzle solving um it's it's really really fun though it uh I like how realistic it is it's got individual finger tracking uh in the game but aside from that you can pretty much pick up mess with break anything in the game it's the game actually it encourages you to find new ways 
to beat specific levels, even if you cheat. And I thought that that was really interesting because the game now you're talking you to exploit <laughs> like <laughs> there's there, I mean I'm not even kidding. There's so many times where so you can uh, there's these pipes uh, in the game that are like up on the walls. You can climb on them. You can climb on pretty much anything. Grab ledges and stuff to pull yourself up. And uh, there was this one part where um, I was climbing up on this pipe, and as I go to grab the next one. It falls, and I know for a fact they did that on purpose because they, <laughs> right before, were like, hey, we're encouraging you to cheat, and then they were like, gotcha. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I really like uh, the – so the AI in it, uh, the, the enemy AI is very uh, – I, I don't want to say like mindless, but it's not a hard game to play per se. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. dissing – them but i think that the enemies could be a little bit more difficult or a little bit more diverse you basically have your regular humanoids that act like zombies and you know they walk slow and slap you and then you've got uh your other enemies that are these uh they're like cdc workers they're in like hazmat suits but they've got guns and they roll around on like this ball and th- those are the only two enemies that I've encountered, and it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the combat sections, but I think that it could be stepped up just a little more to make it a little bit more difficult. Because if you've got a you know a rifle with a scope on it, I mean you can just pick every single enemy off before you even go into that area. So it's a little it's a little too easy, but I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. I really think that this is a it's a big improvement over a lot of other VR games that I've played in the similar uh, play style, but. I'm I'm really really enjoying it. and I'm excited to see uh, you know what content they continue to uh, roll out. With with regards to the difficulty, Kyle, I have a question. So, would you say that like it's not really a game you can sleepwalk your way through, but it's also not really a game that's just going to push you to the limits either? Yeah. So, uh, it's the I would say the the combat is definitely you could sleepwalk through it. Okay. However, the puzzles are anywhere from place this block on this button and it opens a door to you have to figure out how to climb up three stories using nothing but a couple of traffic cones. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, it, some of the puzzles get very difficult. So I'm, I won't say that this game is for everybody, but if you enjoy puzzle game, if you, if you, ha- if you enjoy VR and you enjoy puzzle games, this game is definitely for you, but it is, it is, the puzzle part is de- is definitely hard. I I have no complaints there. I think that it's fair for you to include that where it's, you know, it might not be for everybody. I mean, ultimately, not every game is made for everybody. So, I mean, I, I've when, whenever I see a review company kind of use that as a negative, it's kind of funny to me where I'm like, you know, it, not every game has to be like Dark Souls, for example. Dark Souls is not for everybody. It is not for everybody. If you get frustrated easily, not for you. But I rest my case. That's a conversation for another day. Uh, Matt, what about you, man? What have you been playing? Uh, so I have downloaded the most recent demo of Monster Hunter Rise. This is the second demo that we have seen where it just added an additional Monster Hunt, which is also the flagship title monster, the Magnamalo. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong for saying that. But uh, going back to the very first demo, um, you started off by fighting what is called the Great Izuchi. This is basically the new um, Great Jaggy um, variant of Monster Hunter for this game. 
And I've taken a lot of notices with Monster Hunter Rise compared to previous worlds. They definitely learned a lot with the evolution of the series with Monster Hunter World, which I love that game as well. But it's just so great to have Monster Hunter back on a portable handheld because I feel like that that is just the best place to play it for me. Because, uh, you know, I don't really want to sit down in front of my TV and play this game. It's not that great a graphically of a game. So, you know, it's like I'm not here to be impressed. I just want to see great monster fights, great battles, and uh, just continuing on with, you know, introducing these new uh these new monsters into the mix and during that fight they actually introduced a new mechanic where there is a another monster it's kind of like a honey badger looking monster it's called the uh arzuros uh again correct me if i'm wrong for pronouncing that uh and one thing i noticed is like this monster will just show up in a random fight when you're fighting the great izuchi and you can also <laughs> damage him and you do enough damage to him you can actually have a mechanic a new riding mechanic which is a, really a lot of fun you kind of just use your zip line to jump onto his back and then you can attack you can attack other monsters you can attack him at the same time uh do more damage to both him and the monsters you're going for um, the final fight that I had noticed on here is a beautiful, uh, I, I guess I could say it's a wyvern. Uh, it's called the Mizutsuni, and this is a water-based monster, which I uh, don't see many of those in these games. So it's really cool to see this one, and it's beautiful. Like just The animations of the monsters are still top-notch, which has been one of the strongest things that Monster Hunter has had. Uh, it's just they feel very real, the way that they move around, the way that they roll around, just their their animations are top-notch, and it's almost like they're using uh, mocap suits on real animals to uh, get these animations. <laughs> and um, uh, they also have like a, a slight introduction with the Rathian, which is a fan favorite of the series, so anyone who's been playing Monster Hunter, uh, you, you know, since the beginning, or even starting off with the one that I start off on Monster Hunter Try on the Wii, You'll recognize this monster, and it is a brutal monster. It is vicious, uh, poisoning, so definitely make sure you have antidotes on hand, which luckily these demos will keep you equipped with everything you need from, you know, potions, um, rations, so you can keep your stamina up. And uh, my other favorite thing that in this demo is you are able to use any different uh, weapon choice here, and I typically go with the Great Switch Axe, one of my favorite ones since Monster Hunter... Uh, can't believe it. it's one on the 3ds I, I played generations i believe and okay. i decided to kind of switch it up i used dual blades which is a lot of fun doesn't do much damage but it's more agile um and i tried using the heavy bow gun which i'm not very much of a bow gun user on this uh on in monster hunter but i wanted to give it a shot and i actually really enjoyed it because again this demo provides you everything you're going to need in order to you know get through the demo and it's a great introduction if you haven't played monster hunter then it's a great introduction to the series, honestly. Um, the introducing the new Palamute uh, companion, they gave you uh, one of my favorite things about this is they gave you the option to actually ride him, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so whenever you're tracking down a monster, you know it's a little bit faster than you can't keep up. The Palamute's right there. Um, they also give you the uh, the cat. I'm sure I can't remember what the name of it. The Palico. Is right now. The Palico, is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that, something like that. So you have two companions. You have, like, the dog, the cat, and, you know, they do their fair share of damage. They have combination attacks. It's a lot of fun. A lot of, like, well thought uh, went into this demo. So um, I cannot wait for Monster Hunter Rise to come out for the full official release. The uh, One of the great things I noticed is the music is fantastic as well because it's going more for the Japanese setting. with uh, So you can look at the monsters themselves, and you can see what kind of theme that they're going for, which has been kind of a very popular thing here around lately with Ghost of Tsushima. Um, 
and a few other games can't come kind of, uh, come to mind right now. But again, I really hope that you know veterans of the series give this game a play. I hope new gamers who haven't had to play Monster Hunter uh, give it a shot because the Switch is giving you so much more of an opportunity as expanding the user base. So I hope that it pays off for Capcom. So Matt, let me ask you this then, because I, I just I know that you're a big fan of this franchise, and as a big fan of this franchise. Give me a prediction real quick. Do you think this could be the best Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter we've seen yet? I'm going to say probably so because, um, again, it fixed a lot of my issues that I had with Monster Hunter World. Uh, it doesn't feel as grinding yet, but I can't exactly give too many comments and comparisons because the full official release hasn't been given us, uh, isn't out yet. But I'll definitely, I definitely want to say that it does feel a lot easier to use. It doesn't feel like, you know... Um, it doesn't. The mechanics don't feel as complicated to me personally, um, and I definitely think that's Capcom trying to basically give a, a you know new users that opportunity to get into this franchise because this is an ever-growing franchise, and I definitely see we're going to definitely see more of it in the future. I mean, it's already expanding off into movies. Which, hey, shout out to the movie. It ain't that bad. Give it a shot. <laughs> so let me ask you both this actually, because this and and we'll we'll answer this briefly, and then we'll we'll move on to what we want to talk about for the rest of the episode, but. Uh, where do both of you stand on the idea of accessibility in games in terms of you know newcomers to series and people that maybe don't play a certain genre, maybe don't play a certain series? Where do you two stand on the idea of accessibility? Like, Because I know that the there's one side that says, for Dark Souls, for example, I know when, um, when Sekiro first came out, a lot of people argued that it needed to have a difficulty setting, but that's never been a thing in From Software games. And from software games are not for everybody. Where do y'all stand on the idea of accessibility in games? Because Matt, I feel like you just brought up a really good point about newcomers mm-hmm. and this being really accessible to them. So I want to start off by saying that um, to get, for accessibility for newcomers, um, revolving around Monster Hunter again, um, I, I started playing it off on the Wii, and I felt like the game was trying to do too much uh, during even just the first mission. One thing that I know a lot of complaints have come from people who try to give Monster Hunter a chance but didn't is how grinding it was. And ever since Monster Hunter World, Capcom made it to where when you collect items, you can collect multiples of the items in one go instead of having just to sit there and constantly hit A until uh, you picked everything. Um, Also, there's a lot uh, easier... uh, weapons to use this time around they're not as you know complicated because uh i'll be honest the switch axe is a little complicated there are certain button presses but excuse me button presses that you have to use in order to get like the full power of it but there's also simple items there's a the hammer itself is honestly probably one of my favorite items just because of the damage it does and um i will say this they have finally added damage scores to the monsters. We still don't have a health bar for them, which I know a lot of people complain about, but now that we've got damage calculators and figuring out which part of the monster itself is the most easy to damage, definitely uh, helps out for people who might get frustrated and you know decided to drop the game. So I would say with, when it comes to uh, accessibility regarding gaming in general, I think that every franchise has their that has their targeted audience now if you were to tell me that nintendo was dropping a game that for example like if it was a mario game i expect mario games to be accessible to everyone because that's just what the franchise has built it is an e for everyone type of game dark souls and from software games in general 
are not, and I do not think that they should be accessible to everyone because not every game is for everyone. Like you said earlier, I think that if they made Dark Souls have a a, diff, a difficulty setting, or if they made it easier, if they made it accessible to everyone, it wouldn't be the franchise that it is today. You wouldn't like you wouldn't basically compare every difficult game to Dark Souls. That's because Dark Souls in of itself is a legend. People are going to remember Dark Souls probably throughout the entire history of gaming because of what it is, because of how hard it is and how accomplishing it feels when you beat a Dark Souls game, when you beat a Dark Souls boss, when you add difficulty settings, and when you pander to people who are not necessarily as hardcore of gamers or as good at that... Um, at that genre of yeah. game, I would say. I think it kind of loses its uh, uniqueness. I think that if you were to take every Zelda game and make all the puzzles easy, I don't think it would be as special. Because if a five-year-old can do it, and I can do it, then the puzzle wasn't that hard. And naturally, the five-year-old is going to spend more time doing it, and I'm going to spend about five minutes doing it. And I'm not going to get as much enjoyment out of the game as where when it takes me 15, 20, 25 minutes to figure out this puzzle and then I get it and I get that, oh, yes, you know, feeling that 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 click that says, oh, that's how that works, you know, or when you're fighting a tough boss and you finally after hours of grinding, trying to beat him over and over and over again, when you finally beat him, it is such a rewarding feeling. And I really feel like franchises have their target audience. And I don't believe that all games should be targeted towards everyone. However, on the same spectrum, you should maintain your target audience. For example, if Nintendo dropped a Mario game and it was hard, it was puzzle heavy, it was the combat was difficult, some people would enjoy it. Some people would probably enjoy it more than other Mario games. However, that's not the kind of franchise that it is. That's not what it's built itself up to be. And I think that the overall reaction to the game would be disappointment. Same as if Dark Souls dropped the game, or if From Software dropped Dark Souls 4 and it was the easiest out of the series, it wouldn't be regarded nowhere near Dark Souls 1, 2, or 3. Because if you can just cakewalk through it, then it's you know it wouldn't be considered a, a real Souls game. It would it would probably be made fun of. You know, I I really feel like you know uh, if if you are a, a video game studio, always 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 know your target audience because that is who the accessibility should be altered for. You know, and like Matt was talking about with Monster Hunter, with people who haven't played Monster Hunter before. I'm one of those people. I do not expect Monster Hunter to cater itself to me. However, I do expect the game to be easy enough for me to pick it up and learn how to play. Now, if I'm bad at the game, that's not necessarily the game being inaccessible. That's just me being bad at the game. I'm bad at Souls games, mm -hmm. and I don't think that it's because of the accessibility because I think they teach you how to play the game. Obviously, people you know from Dark Souls 1 have learned how Souls games work. And have gotten good at it. It's just that I'm bad at the game, <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like that's 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 what people really need to understand when it comes to you know uh, bashing games for their accessibility. Is is it that the game didn't teach you how to play it, or is it that you just were bad at the game? 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there 100% as someone who loves from software games. I think that it all comes down to whether or not you put in the time to learn a game's mechanics. And I think all three of us can also agree with what you just said in the sense that if you don't put in the time to learn a game, you can't be mad uh, at the game because of its system that you didn't try to learn. Um, ultimately, you pay $60 to play the game the way it was released or the way that, you know, hopefully the developers intended. You don't play, you don't you don't buy a game to play it the way exactly you want to play it. That's not how the game is made. The game is made with a certain a certain kind of build, a certain kind of play style in mind. And of course, RPGs like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, obviously there's different kinds of ways you can play, but ultimately you're all still playing the game kind of the same way. So I think that there's a difference, like you said, in accessibility versus just not taking the time to learn the mechanics, to learn the ins and outs of the game. And I think that too often nowadays, gamers kind of blur that line. But before we go, we'll go ahead and talk about some games we're excited about. I know that, um, and Matt's going to love to hear this after how, uh, how the last couple episodes have gone. Um, I, my, my excitement for games like Pokemon Snap and the Diamond and Pearl remake is starting to build um, in, after, since playing you know a little bit more of Sword and Shield and doing some more of the Dynamax raids. Uh, the excitement's building because, I mean, new Pokemon content at the end of the day is new Pokemon content. I'm a huge Pokemon fan. Again, we've referenced the five EV tattoos on my right arm several times. Um, but I'm excited about those. I'm excited to get some new Pokemon content. It's something that I know we're all looking forward to in one way or another, and at you know at some level of hype or another. I know Kyle's still not very excited about Diamond and Pearl, but understandably so. You've given your reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, especially Pokemon Snap. I'm looking forward to a different kind of Pokemon game. Looking forward to something that isn't cookie cutter. You know, damage a Pokemon in the wild to this extent, and then catch it. Like, no, it's it's not like that at all. It feels like it's it's more about you know going through these levels, learning, getting your scores up, stuff like that. And, and I like that. I like that it's going to be a little bit different than uh, than what we're used to. So, Kyle, I know you're super excited about another franchise that you're a big fan of. They're releasing the next entry in their in their uh, in their catalog this year. Tell me, man, what 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 is it that you are super hyped about? I am so excited for the new Resident Evil, Resident Evil Village. Um, I am a big Resident Evil, not the biggest, but I'm a, I'm a big Resident Evil fan. And after Biohazard came out, I feel like it was such a, a turn for the franchise. I feel like they did something different and it worked really well. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with 8 because it seems like they're kind of distancing themselves from just being specifically about zombies and they're kind of taking it with you know towards a a new twist with you know i i'm assuming we're gonna have vampires because that's that's just what everything is seen that's just what it looks like i mean you know we're gonna have vampires and this as well as i'm pretty sure we'll see zombies and we'll probably see some throwbacks to resident evil 7 but I'm excited that, you know, in this it's expanding this this uh universe. It's expanding, you know, the amount of I guess uh I guess the word I would use I'm I'm trying to think of it. It's like the unexpectedness. It they they're throwing something at you from left field. Nobody when they thought Resident Evil thought vampires. And I think that this is going to be great. I'm really excited to see this next entry because of how well Biohazard did, because of how different it was, and how great the content was. And can we mention the DLC content as well was, in my opinion, it, it was excellent. Yes, I agree. I think, this, I think this game has 
very, very good potential based off of its predecessor, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. I agree, man. It's just one of those where I think what you said in terms of just branching out on kind of the lore and the mythos of Resident Evil, it's always just been zombies infected. And the idea of branching out into vampires and potentially werewolves and stuff like that, it's it's new and it's fresh. And that's ultimately why I think my early prediction has been I think Resident Evil uh, Village is going to win Game of the Year. And that's if God of War Ragnarok doesn't come out this year. I ultimately think Village will win Game of the Year. Uh, Matt, I know you've got something later down the road this year you're really excited about. What are you looking forward to? Um, so, actually, I am really excited for Ratchet and Clank Ripped Apart just because of the fact yes. that I'm such a fan of the franchise. And on top of that, this is also going to be one of the first big PlayStation 5 exclusives. Because so far, a lot of what we have been given have all been multiply or cross gen, and this is like the first big PlayStation Five exclusive uh, since we got Demon Souls at launch. I'm mostly excited for the fact that this is also Insomniac Games' uh, first uh, big PlayStation Five exclusive game, um, especially coming off from the most recent Ratchet and Clank game, which was kind of a disappointment. It was uh, kind of used as a way to uh, advertise the new movie coming out. So, you know, they went back to basics with it and it was just kind of a reboot. But this is like a full fledged sequel from Crack in Time, which was another phenomenal game. And my biggest excitement is it's just coming from the, uh, the power of the PlayStation 5 and how Insomniac is going to use that because we saw the game announced last year at uh, the PlayStation event. And it looked beautiful. Like, I could not get over it. It literally looked like Pixar animation, top-notch quality. And it was like, this is what I hope to see, uh, you know, coming from next gen. This is the kind of graphic capabilities and, like, the uh, animations and just everything going on. And there was, like, no lag. There was no, you know, frame drops. It was just running so smoothly, especially when the transitioning um, between the uh, dimensions, which looks incredible, plus the continuation of the story where it looks like they're introducing a female Lombax because we've always believed that Ratchet was the only one, but they're kind of putting a big twist on this. And I'm super excited to see the evolution of the franchise, the new weapons, and also just the fantastic level design. And again, it's a platformer, which is some of my favorite. So I'm super excited. And especially because you know, the fact that it's coming out fairly soon this summer, if I believe correctly. Yes. So uh, you guys know this game's coming out. Like Matt said, uh, it's being uh, developed by Insomniac Games. I have a quick question. Do you think that their success off of Spider-Man and Miles Morales, and I'm trying to think of other like big-name games before you know, like the PS2 era, do you think that they are going to get this game judged fairly based off of how much of a fan favorite this game studio has become because of Spider-Man and Miles Morales? I mean, ultimately, I feel like there's always going to be bias of some sort. You know, there, it's hard. It's hard for anybody to objectively look at a game, especially if they're a fan of the franchise and as somebody who has written reviews before. Um, you want to write reviews for game franchises you care about. And it's kind of hard to be 100% objective when you're a huge fan. I don't know, Matt, I, I will get your take on that after I after I finish here. But I, I think that it, it's hard. I want to say yes. I want to say it'll be fair. But I also want to say as somebody who's never played a Ratchet and Clank, I look at what we've seen so far, and I think there's a lot of reason to be excited. 
Like there's a lot of reason to be hyped because a lot of what we've seen has looked really good. So, uh, Matt, you can go ahead, man. Well, I was just going to say that Insomniac Games is mostly known for Ratchet and Clank other than, you know, being the creators of Spyro. So I don't really think that anyone's going to really be comparing the the quality, the work that they put into the Spider-Man games with Ratchet and Clank because they're, you know, not nearly the same. And, you know, people actually know what to expect. Like, we know what to expect when we with the new Ratchet and Clank, you know, it, it's been uh, it's been around since the PlayStation 2. It's been on all the PlayStation portable systems as well. Um, I know expectations are probably very high for it, especially being, you know, one of the first big PlayStation 5, uh, you know, exclusive games. And Insomniac is one of the best developers. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I don't have any doubt that they're going to be able to not, not be able to pull it off. Um, but as far as the quality goes, I have nothing to worry about with Ratchet and Clank. They've been quality games from the very beginning. They have a cult following. People love the series. Uh, Ratchet's one of the most popular gaming icons there are. Uh, maybe not one of the most popular, but he, he's noted. You know, people know who he is. And, you know, PlayStation, you know, uses him in advertisements. We've seen him uh, make an appearance, like cameos and references and Easter eggs and other uh, Sony games. So I have don't don't think there's anything to worry about. I'm amazed that neither one of you brought up Life is Strange. I'm amazed that neither one of you brought that up. We literally just saw it today as of recording this, and it's Thursday. I'm amazed, <laughs> especially from Matt's point of view, that you didn't bring that up. What the heck, Matt? Like, come on, bro. bro you got to represent bro, a little bit on, there. <laughs> I'm the one with the I was, I was just focusing on the games. That That's fair. About, uh, That's strange, though. <laughs> it does look fantastic. Like, I will say, outside of the visuals, yeah. which are not that impressive, I know that Life is like, the Life is Strange franchise has not been built on visuals. They've been built on story and dialogue and... Uh, Story wise, I'm I'm hyped to see what the story what story this is gonna tell. The new powers look awesome. Uh, I feel like every with each passing week, we're giving more we're giving more and more of a reason to be excited for what games are coming out. Um, and that's just simply by us receiving more information about games like this and seeing uh, seeing this new this new version of Life is Strange and seeing this next entry. Uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. So I, I think that gamers. Uh, I know that it's been it's been slow to start the year. We haven't had a ton of new content, but I think we, it's we can all sleep soundly knowing there's good stuff coming down the pipe. So uh, that is going to actually do it for this episode. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Side Mission Pod and on YouTube at Side Mission for Matt Beck and Kyle Lynch. I'm Rusty Ellis. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Side Mission Podcast. Keep up with new episodes and download your favorites in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.